Welcome to Outbound, where we talk about strategies and tactics to help people that do business development build deeper relationships with their ideal customers. Today on the show, I have Chad Nikhazy. Chad, welcome to the show. Can you give me a 30,000 foot overview of who you are and what you're up to? Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me, first of all. So um, my name is Chad Nikhazy. I'm the Executive Vice President of Business Development at Provisions Group in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, I've been with Provisions for almost 11 years now, leading the sales team. I'm a player coach, so both a, a bag-carrying sales executive and also I lead a team of sales reps as well. Um, our firm uh, blends IT engineering and architecture with IT staffing. Um, so we're kind of a, a one-stop shop for all things technology for uh, IT leaders nationwide. Been in business for 20 years. Awesome. So, Chad, what what is your secret sauce? I mean, you've been doing this for 25 years um, and you're leading in sales. So clearly you have something that's been working for you. So what's your secret sauce for building relationships uh, with your ideal customers? Yeah, well, I mean, it's um, I, I think I have succeeded because I have failed so many times. Right. It's, it's kind of cliche, but in 25 years of selling. I've done all of the wrong things and and learned from those as I went. Um, what I've what I've found out certainly in my eleven years at Provisions is um, you know hear people talk about relationship sales and relational selling all the time, and I, I truly believe it. And it's it's how we do sales and business development at Provisions Group. One because it was the only way I knew how to do it personally when I got to the company. So when I arrived at Provisions eleven years ago. I had no experience, no background in IT, IT staffing. I didn't know what the hierarchies were, who to call on, you know, how to navigate uh, really the IT space um, or the staffing space. Um, and, and honestly, that's why I got hired. So, you know, backstory, a company that I worked at uh, prior to provisions for 10 years, I was there also. The, uh, the executive who hired me there hired me because I had been a wrestler and because he had been a wrestler. He grew up in Michigan and like, you know, liked wrestlers and understood the mindset and, you know, appreciated who those people were. I was one of those people. I had no experience in that field of work either. He hired me to come work there just because I was a wrestler um, and I figured it out. Right. The mindset was right. You know, I could run through the walls um, and at Provisions, same DOR CEO had been a an Ironman triathlon <clears throat> buddy of mine. So he knew me through triathlon. He knew I'd been successful in other places. And and early on, you know, I I told him over coffee, I was like, hey man, I don't, I know nothing about IT. Like when I when my I forget my password or my computer breaks or something, like I'm I'm ringing those guys up downstairs and saying, hey, you know, no, I'm not going to put in a ticket. Like, just come up here and like, in my mind, that's what IT did. It's like they reset my password or back in the day, my iTunes isn't working right on my computer. So I can listen to music. So, so that's what I knew about um, technology. And, and I shared that with Mark, our CEO. And, um, and I was downplaying it a little bit. And he was like, look, I'm not worried about that. Like, all I need you to do is go is talk to people and tell them the story of Provisions Group you know, what we're trying to do in the market, how we're trying to serve people. Um, and I was good at that. You know, I have lifelong friends. My best friends are people who uh, became my friends in fifth grade. 
Like I, I was with one of them yesterday. So I see those guys every year frequently. Um, and it just makes sense to me. Like you build a relationship with somebody and you maintain it and you're genuine and you share common experiences. And so that to me, that is uh, the secret to how we do sales and biz dev at provisions is there is no secret. <laughs> like you, you, you build a relationship with someone based upon, you know, whatever problem they're trying to solve, you get introduced to someone, or even if you're doing cold or semi-cold outreach and, um, you know, your, your interest is in serving them first, like what's important to you. And then you open the door and you allow someone to tell you their story because people love to talk and people especially love to talk about themselves. And so as a, as a business development representative or a sales executive, um, if you can figure out how to allow people to tell you about themselves and the challenges they're facing, they'll start to open up this sort of opportunity for you to say, Hey, I think that's a problem, you know, that I can solve for you. Or like, what issues is that creating for you in your business? Or a lot of times there's trickle down to like, what issue is that creating for you in your, in your own life? Because you got this sort of looming technology thing that's um, keeping you super stressed out. So, uh, maybe a rambling answer to your question, but that's the secret is uh, be nice and be genuine and, and try to solve other people's problems first without like pitching them a brochure. Uh, don't pitch a brochure, you know, find out what's why they're meeting with you to begin with and then solve the problem for them. Yeah. So it sounds like you're, you're pulling a couple themes out um, and I, I'm, uh, Hope I'm not adding adding extra to what you're saying here, but you know, it's focusing on the relationship first. You know, treating that person like they're human, and you know, obviously, if you're in sales, you have to be intentional about the relationships that you build, at least to a degree. You know, you can't be spending your business development time, you know, meeting with people that there's absolutely no way that they're going to buy from you or influence the buyer or you know, provide some kind of introduction or something. You know, so you have to be intentional but it's still treating them like they're a person, not a transaction. And, and then, you know, using um, the things that you use in normal relationships to, to build rapport and, you know, doing it in a way that's authentic and, and meaningful and not just um, trying to get them to buy from you so you can hit quota and move on to the next. Yeah. That's like, I mean, that's exactly right. Like, like I said, when I got to provisions, um, I just, I had no background in, in the field, but I was a hard worker and I just, I wasn't afraid of putting myself out there very early on. And a lot of times the posture was, you know, I'm new, like, can you be a mentor to me and help me understand, um, technology better? I was approaching senior IT leaders with that posture. Like, you know, I'm a lifelong Nashvilleian and here's how we know each other maybe. And, um, I'm new to this job in IT and here's what we do basically, but you know, I could use some mentors to help me, help me understand it. And people like to be made to feel important and smart. And so that helped me a lot in the beginning because I, I really did need the help. Um, so I built some relationships that way that then sort of, uh, spider web or, or branch out from there, you know, you build one good relationship and it parlays into multiple others. Um, I was doing things early on, like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sourcing my, my leads through LinkedIn and I'm not just searching for, um, you know, Nashville, Tennessee, 
CIO, VP of IT. I'm searching for Nashville, Tennessee, CIO, VP of IT wrestling uh, or triathlon or or things where I'm pulling words from their LinkedIn profile or, or even from the internet somewhere. And I'm like, oh, okay, this guy wrestled at, you know, I don't know, Iowa or whatever. Um, and, and then I can go to them and say, you know, hey, you know, here's here's what I do. We have this common interest in, you know, wrestling, like I wrestled my whole life, or um, you know, I noticed that you have Ironman triathlon on your on your profile. And so I was kind of using that as a way to build shared um history. And you know, you're not using that, but like people want to talk to people that they can have a conversation that they're interested in. Um you know, even if it's in a business setting. And so that was an early way for me to get started also was leveraging hobbies. I went to Middle Tennessee State University. So I immediately started looking for people who went to Middle Tennessee State University, particularly those who were about my age. So I'm 49. So I started looking for people that were at MTSU in the early 90s through the mid 90s. Um, who were now working in tech or some sort of executive role and, and kind of going to them and saying, Hey, we were at MTSU at the same time and, and that kind of thing. If you're in sales and using LinkedIn and you're not getting the traction you're looking for, you're going to love our social selling accelerator. It's a four week program where we work with you to create content that gets the attention of the right people and start conversations with your ideal customers on LinkedIn. Go to outboundshow.com for more information. Yeah, and it's interesting because um, a, a recent interview, it'll just be a couple before this one came out, I interviewed Matt Dixon. I brought him up a couple times because he's um, he wrote the book, The Challenger Sale. I don't know if you're familiar with, with that book, but... Um, He's recently just finished a bunch of research and is working on a book specifically for business development in professional services and how it's different, you know, and basically one of his biggest, I asked him what his biggest surprise was. And he said, the biggest surprise is that the challenger sale personality of like the person who's going to come in and really be like, kind of push other people out of, you know, be the, I'm trying to remember how he phrased it, but basically like come in almost as, as, um, pushing people around and saying, no, you're wrong. You know, I'm going to challenge your point of view. This is actually how you need to be thinking about it. That works really well in a business to business only, but where you're selling a product. But he said, it's actually one of the worst performing profiles for professional services. Um, not because it couldn't necessarily help you get an initial deal, but the people on the other end of the table don't want to be challenged all the time. You know, they want to be challenged to a degree, but they want a little bit more aspiration. They want, you know, to feel like somebody's on the same side of the table and, you know, more of that human relationship. And so when you're in professional service, in some kind of professional services, you know, where your people play a role in, in the product itself, um, even if you are delivering a product, if there's a lot of technical consulting that has to be done or anything like that, the relationship really becomes much more important. And, um, you know, building those relationships and rapport, like you're talking about, um, it really becomes important because you, how do you evaluate professional services? It's different than a product where you go, okay, this product has these features, you know, the main, it's going to be manufactured. This one's, we're not going to be able to get it till June. This one, we could get it in April, but you know, the pricing differential and, you know, you're able to kind of pit these things that are fairly clear. You can put them in. Yeah. You can put it in a matrix, but how do you take two different it consulting companies that 
essentially do the same thing. The pricing, you know, might be way more for one than another, but it's still like there's this black box, kind of this untangible, um, intangible <laughs> uh, element to it that uh, the relationship all of a sudden becomes important because it's you have to trust that 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 this person in this team are going to be able to help you navigate the internal change management to actually make whatever this is successful. And that's different than just delivering a product and, you know, setting it up and getting out the door. Uh, it's much more relational. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, um, Jeb Blunt wrote a book, it might've been his first book or one of the first called people by you. And, and that's essentially what he's saying is like, you, you've got to build trust with someone um, as the sales rep. And so a lot of times for a sales executive, you know, if, if they're not buying you, like if they don't like you personally, as kind of the tip of the spear, there's lots of other people that do the tech stuff that, that the people behind me do. And so I've got to be able to build some sort of relationship with that person based upon, you know, shared experience and like, Hey, I remember their name and I smiled and I had a firm handshake and like we go to the same church and like, you know, grew up in the community. Um, so once that trust is kind of established, you know, then, um, you know, pre-sales engineering or subject matter experts and things like that come in and those guys ask smart questions behind me. But by then, you know, I've already built some level of trust. If they're going to meet with me again a second time. I've built a level of trust where they're like, okay, Chad's not going to waste my time. Seemed like a good guy. Um, so yeah, I think, I think you're exactly right. It's, it's more difficult to sell something uh, like engineering and architecture services than it is to sell. Here's a widget. You need X number of widgets and here's the unit cost. Here's the volume purchasing cost. I'm not diminishing that type of sales. It's just, it's different because there's so much trust that's inherent to selling services versus selling widgets. Um, it just takes a lot of work on the front end uh, through a skilled sales rep to kind of build that trust. Yeah. And I mean, this will, um, I don't want to go down a tangent too far on, on, on this thought, but, um, the, the other aspect of it is if you aren't building that trust up front before the sale, which this also makes the idea of just cold outreach to a pitch for your services today is difficult. Cause a lot of times if somebody's going to answer a cold pitch for a service means they're in the buying window already, but for services, a lot of times what you're offering is helping them to understand the problem that they're actually facing and helping them diagnose the problem, helping them come up with a framework for solving it, and then you know providing the solution. But if they've already gotten to the point where they're ready to buy and they're in the buying window, a lot of times people have already figured out and, and decided how they're going to solve the, the problem. And that's not really where you make money in consulting or professional services. It's in helping to diagnose the problem, helping to solve that problem. And then also, if they've already made those decisions, you're really more of a commodity at that point. And your chance of actually selling and not having to drop your prices or compromise on delivery or all kinds of different areas, you're already too late. And so different than a product, you really need to be having conversations and starting to educate on the challenge, potentially years, but at, at least months before they've gotten to the point where they really are ready to solve that problem. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, because you, you can get reduced to, it's kind of a race to the bottom. 
if, if they know they're going to buy something and they're just shopping rates and, you know, you've gone into some kind of an RFP situation, um, it's just not ideal for consulting where, um, with us, uh, we're constantly selling value. You know, we're lucky to have, um, a product that, that represents great value for technology leaders. It's called concierge IT. Concierge IT gives an IT leader fractional access to, I've got, our uh, provisions has 150 full-time engineers and architects that we employ, uh, who are spread across app dev, data and analytics, cloud network security, um, CRM compliance, et cetera. So we have this really broad offering set and uh, leaders can access that team fractionally just as they need them. So, you know, sometimes you need a network engineer, but you don't always need a network engineer. So use ours for a few hours this month. And you probably also need to be talking to our React Native development team because you're going to build a mobile app. And so you're using all these guys just fractionally as you need them. So that that's of great value because I can easily point to, to you know, the problems we solve. Like we solve capacity problems. Um, you've got a lot of work to do, but you don't have enough people to execute it. Well, use this group of 150 people fractionally. And so now your capacity went from this to... Um, so that solves a problem. Expertise. There's really niche technology out there, as you well know. Um, and, you know, sometimes you just don't have someone on your team who has that skill set or that knowledge base. Well, we probably do because we employ a bunch more engineers than you do. So use our guy. Um, uh, budget control. So it allows you to control the budget. You can flex up and down. So I'm able to deliver value to people um, in, in a way where they recognize it. You know, they may not even know they have a problem. They may see these as kind of like, nebulous, like, oh boy, we never, there's always more work than time. Like, yeah, that's a capacity problem. Or every time, you know, the executives dream up this project, I got to go find somebody with a, a niche skill set and hire them. Well, maybe you don't, maybe you just use our team fractionally. And so communicating that message, I'm fortunate that we have something that's um, meets a lot of needs. But that's that's really what I'm selling is like you got all these possible problems and here's a single solution uh, that kind of speaks to all of them. Yeah, I mean, and again, if you if you're getting into a situation where they've already defined it, they're basically right about to hire somebody in for this for this, you know, niche technology role. And they're probably only going to need that person for like three months. And then they're going to have to try to figure out what else that person's going to do with their time after that project's done. Um, but if they've already made that decision and they've already going down the hiring route, if you reach out cold and that's your way to get into the relationship and to start doing that, I mean, it's possible, but it's an extremely hard sell because then they, you know, they've already got a budget. They've already got a rollout. They're already interviewing people. And now you're going to go, Hey, you should totally rethink the way you're doing that. That's really hard. Whereas you know, if you've been building this relationship up front and doing that, you know, much better chance that you're going to move forward. Um, but one thing I, I want to ask you about is, you know, so you're talking about building relationships and and diving into um, relationship building. And, um, you know, I know from our conversation, you said most of your clients come from that. And you've got some, you know, 25 years of stories of, of, of success. But what does this look like practically? You kind of got into it with with using Sales Navigator and and, you know, uh, looking for terms where you're going to find that commonality. But, you know, if somebody tomorrow has kind of had more of this transactional mindset, 
and they want to start switching over, being more authentic, building relationships, what are some practical things that they could start doing to build deeper relationships? Yeah, I mean, I, sometimes we're at a uh, competitive advantage at Provisions Group. I recognize this is not going to be relevant everywhere, but because we are um, an engineering consulting firm built on top of a staffing firm, we still do recruiting and staffing. And so frequently I meet people who are looking for jobs or who are open to the idea of a different job. And that's a different conversation that I get to have with someone, you know, that really is impactful to them personally, like has nothing to do with their company or like a project they're trying to complete. You know, we're talking about their career. So that gives me a little bit of an advantage when it comes to building a relationship, um, which I do frequently. And you're not, you're not using or abusing that access you have to that person. That's, that's the, the thing that I'm always talking to our sales team about. It's like, if you meet with someone in the context of your relationship or conversation is I'm going to help you look for a job. I'm going to help you find a job that you like better. Well, then that's what you, you better do that. Like you got to find a way to deliver value to that person, help them find a job, at least give them some ideas, give them tips and tricks and tools for their resume uh, make some freebie introductions to your network. Like, Hey, Joe, you know, you ought to meet Sam. You guys have shared interest and you're both really excited about artificial intelligence. Y'all should get coffee. Um, nothing in it for me necessarily. So I do a lot of kind of professional introductions like that, um, where I allow people to, um, you know, just broaden their own networks. Um, so that's a broad answer. I could give you specific, like, hey, this one time type of answers, but that's that's really all there is to it is like meeting with people and finding out what motivates them, both professionally and personally. And then, um, you know, doing what you said you were going to do. If you're like, hey, I'm going to stay in touch with you and I'm going to send you opportunities and jobs to look at, well, then spend some time doing that. Don't just wait for the guy to call you with something to, you know, to give you instead. Yeah. So it sounds like being a very proactive, proactive, you know, you're networking um, and building those relationships, being very proactive about adding value to your network, not just when there's a potential for there to be a business, but just doing that generally and, and being very proactive about making connections, building the relationships, following through on what you promised to that person. And, um, and then that comes, well, so yeah, maybe then let, let's go into that about, tell me about a time when you've done that, where you, where you were really just adding value to your network, where that turned into, um, business for a provisions group. Okay. Um, you know, and I can say one, one thing on, on following up, um, is I have a, I call it a big 100 the concepts, not new to anyone. It's probably more like big 163 or something at this point. Like it's not constrained by hundred. Um, but it's a list of people who I'm committed to staying in touch with, you know, in, in my network and, and every month, um, you know, I'm trying to plow through that list and, and stay in touch with that person. It's not a company, it's a person. They probably work somewhere and, and adding some sort of touch or value to the relationship with them. And sometimes it's just as easy as, or as simple as, you know, Hey, Joseph, um, was thinking about you today, was curious how your job search was going or, Hey, Joseph, you know, you came to mind today. Last time we talked, I know you were thinking about doing X, Y, Z. 
wanting to see where you're at. Um, and so just staying in touch with people is important. And, and you're trying to provide more value than that in most cases, but just constantly being in front of people uh, without being a badgering sales rep that's like hounding them and hounding them, um, I think is important. So I use my big 100 for that. It also goes in Salesforce, right? Like to be clear, like has to get logged in the in the CRM or whatever you're using. Um, but I, that's how I stay in touch with people. Um, specific example in 25 years, um, you know, I'll give you one story. I met with a guy who's become a really good friend of mine. We met for coffee um, one day. We were introduced by another mutual connection and we're just talking about he was he was looking for a job, you know, was ready for a, a career change and was looking for a job. And over the course of coffee, I felt like, you know, um, I don't know. There's just something I, at the time we were doing a, a Bible study on Wednesday mornings at, uh, at Provisions Group. Um, we were actually reading um, Wild at Heart by John Eldridge. So not, not exactly a Bible study, but, you know, faith-based book. So group of guys and we're reading Wild at Heart. And I just felt compelled to ask this guy, first time I'd ever met him. You know, we're having coffee together. We're having a great conversation about, you know, his kids and about his job search. And I just sensed like, hey, this is a good time. I feel prompted to do this. And so I invited him to come. It's like, yeah, on Wednesday mornings, like there's a group of guys. Some of them work at Provisions. Some of them don't. But we get together and we're reading this book. It's kind of a men's, you know, ministry and men's group book. It's called Wild at Heart. And you know, I'd love for you to come join us one Wednesday morning if you want to. I think at first he was a little like, oh, that was, yeah, that was weird. Um, but he did, you know, so he started, he started coming and, uh, you know, came to our group for weeks and weeks and weeks and, and started to participate more and more uh, and got to know more people, provisions. We got to know each other a lot better, obviously. And we built a relationship that way. Um, he eventually moved out of state, went somewhere else. I stayed in touch with him still. We we're referring things to each other. He was a director of IT at this place he went um, out of state. And we were still staying in touch professionally and personally. He'd come into town and we'd get coffee. Uh, and then out of the blue, he calls me. He's a CIO now at a different company. He calls me out of the blue and was like, hey, do you guys do XYZ? Like, yeah, yeah, we, we do a lot of that. I got a large team that, that does just that. And, He's like, well, I need some help. And here's what it looks like. Here's the problem I need to solve. And I'm like, absolutely. Like I can, I can get our engineers on a call with you today or tomorrow probably to start talking through how we can build the solution to it. He's like, no, he's like, I, I trust you. And so I got a budget. My budget is 40 K a month. Like, is that, will that do it? And I'm like, that'll do it. <laughs> yeah. 40K a month. It was 40K a month for for three years, right? And But this is years down the road. Like the invite over coffee to Bible study was probably five years before the call about needing help came. And, and it wasn't like inviting him to come to a Bible study had nothing to do with me thinking he was going to give me 40K worth of business five years later. Like, how could I know? Like I just, I legitimately was trying to help the guy and the only way I could help him in that moment. And the way I felt like I could help him in that moment was like, I'm reading this book and it's really great. And it's about being a dad and, you know, uh, being young and professional and a dad. And like, I think you'd be served by that. So I invited him to that. 
And then that's how a relationship builds and evolves. And even if it hadn't, it would be okay. Like I've, I've done that kind of thing dozens and dozens of times over the course of my years at provisions and, you know, never made a dollar off of it. And in most of those other interactions, um, but that one was like, wow, that was, people have asked like, how'd you do that deal? Like, yeah, I invited them to a Bible study. Like, you know, and then, yeah, five years ago. And then we just, we stayed in touch. So that's, um, I don't want to call it relationship selling because that was not my intent. That's how you build a relationship and maintain a relationship. It's you find some common ground, you try to serve the person in the way that you're able to serve them right then in that moment. And then, um, you know, if they like you and trust you and, um, you have high character, you know, sometimes it, it turns into sales if you're a sales guy. Yeah. I just want to pull a couple of threads together as we're, we're wrapping up here because you, you talked about a lot of different things in this episode that a couple other people have mentioned in different ways on the show. So, um, you know, I met, I mentioned Matt Dixon and he, he gives the example of, Hey, look, when somebody makes a job change, it's a great opportunity to build relationship, but most people are just go to that person and go, Hey, are you ready to buy for me? Cause you know, there's a, they spend 70% of their budget in the first 90 days. So everybody goes, Oh, opportunity to, to get some, get a sale. But he's like, you know, they all know that. And so if you go in and you're, you're saying, Hey, are you ready to buy for me now? Uh, probably going to put a bad taste in their mouth. But if you go to them and you say, Hey, um, saw that you just moved to Hong Kong and it looks like it's the first time you're in Asia. Um, I'd love to introduce you to some of my partners there because they know all the best restaurants. They're always, you know, sending messages in our Slack group about the restaurants they're going to. And, you know, they, I knew it, I know it took them a while to get their kids settled and they've, you know, found some good schools, but be helpful to make that introduction so that, you know, you have some of those resources starting out and, you know, be looking for those, like you said, having this list of people that are high value relationships. So that goes back to another episode from Kevin Lawson a few episodes ago. And, and he talked about exactly that. Like what are, who are the high value relationships to you and prioritize those and then reach out every so often and just even just say that, Hey, you're a high value relationship to me. I, I appreciate you. You know, we built great personal relationship over the years and, and, you know, I know we've added value to each other over the years. So, you know, what, what's up with you? What's going on? I'd love to hear about how, how things are going and, you know, just making those intentional, um, relationship touch points and not forgetting about the people that you've been building relationship with. Uh, and if you're doing that consistently, then when there is a need it, for one there, there's a good chance they're going to reach out for you to you. But for two, if you do reach out in that moment and go, Hey, I think I could help you with that. Then it's not just about the sale and they don't feel like you were using them at that point. You know, you've been building that relationship and nurturing it over, over years. Um, and then, I mean, the final point on that is I think it's just a much nicer way to do business development. Like if you're in that role um, and you don't want to burn out as a salesperson, building, spending, you know, a, a chunk of your time building great lifelong relationships with people and, you know, pouring yourself out to serve other people, you're just going to have a much more meaningful career in sales if you're doing that versus how can I burn through as many people as I possibly can over promise under delivered so I can hit quota, you know, kind of that idea that people have of sales. Um, you know, this is just a much more, I think, meaningful and impactful way to, to, to do sales. Agreed. I mean, that's 90% or more of my client base, um, are people who I would consider, you know, actually my friends at this point, because our relationship is, 
has grown to that point. And it's not instant, right? You get a new client and they're not your best buddy automatically, but I've been in this job for 11 years. And a lot of those uh, folks have been with me for a big chunk of that time. So, you know, I, I think the choices that you make in your life all have impact, like, you know, choose the hard things. I was, I was given a talk similar to this recently and uh, wrestling parlayed itself to a job that parlayed to triathlon. And I can trace, I need to try to figure this out sometime, but a, a large percentage of the business that I've done at provisions group came from a single relationship that was based upon triathlon. First of all, I have this job because I did triathlon. Like I'm retired from triathlon now, but like, that's how I knew our CEO. So it's how I got the job. I was working on another opportunity that I got in the door through like a mid-level person who I knew through triathlon, who got me to a CIO. And in the process of working with that CIO, um, I met several VPs who reported to the, to the CIO. And then those guys over time, um, one of whom was the guy who came to the Bible study. Um, another of whom I frequently sat with at, while his daughter was taking swim lessons. So my daughter wasn't on swim team. His daughter was taking swim lessons and we'd sit together for an hour and talk, you know, sometimes about the girls, sometimes about work and then several of the other VPs. So a single relationship about triathlon opened the door to a guy who opened the door to four VPs who all sort of scattered around Nashville and brought me with them because I had built a relationship based on different things with each one of them in their life that was important to them. And then, you know, they become a CIO somewhere and they have VPs and you're building this like, you know, network of people. And it's all based upon like, you know, Hey, when I was a kid, I chose wrestling, which is a hard thing. And I got a job because of it. And then I chose triathlon because I was looking for another hard thing and I got a job because of it. And then someone opened the door you know, to this company because we knew each other through triathlon and I got introduced to all these guys and we started building a relationship based on Bible study and swim team and um, soccer with another one of those guys. You know, I'm trying to think through that single relationship, um, but you got to be willing to invest the effort to know people, you know, because one guy needed Bible study. One guy needed yeah. to sit with me and talk during his daughter's swim lessons. Another guy wanted to talk about the soccer team that he coaches. Um, another guy was a cyclist. I'm thinking of the four VPs that reported to the one CIO at that place. That's a single example. Um, but, you know, tons of relationships, tons of work based on a single thing, mm. uh, a single introduction based upon something non-work related. Triathlon got me in the door and it trickled into like millions of dollars of business, honestly. I think that's a great place to, to wrap up. Chad, thank you so much for joining me on Outbound. Really enjoyed your perspective. Yeah, it was fun. Thank you.